The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you in worship today. There's some new decorations that are up even today. Um, if you missed uh, the Christmas feast last night. I, I just want you to know you missed out on an amazing experience. I'm so thankful for our musicians uh, and just the amount of energy and work they put into such an amazing thing last night. And uh, it, it was fantastic. It was kind of a prequel uh, to the Christmas Carol um, and just great music, great acting. So thank you uh, to Adrian and to all those that were part of that. And uh, even this morning, I was thinking, man, they, they had a long day yesterday, and then they just rocked it up here this morning. Uh, so thankful uh, for the blessing of our musicians and uh, what, what a blessing they are. If you're a guest with us, uh, we want to welcome you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, just hope that today is a blessing to you. Uh, and if you're watching online uh, for the first time, uh, we are glad that you're connecting with us uh, through this technology. And we can't wait to see you in person. Uh, this is just always a great first step. We know many people watch online before they ever come into this place. And we look forward to getting to know you. So um, 
I, I don't know, this is the, the second week in the Advent season. As I said last week, each week we're going to unpack in a video at the very beginning uh, kind of the theme for that week of the Advent season. So last week was hope, and we talked about hope and how we need to realign our hopes and, and put our hope back in Jesus instead of trying to put our hope in so many of the things that, that popular culture says. And, you know, uh, sometimes the relationship isn't mended between Buddy and his father. And sometimes uh, there's just these challenges, but, but we watched Elf this last week. That's like a, a classic in the Fink household. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Uh, so anyway, but that's got nothing to do with the sermon. The point is, um, cards, Christmas cards, are, are another thing that just, they don't, they don't really tell the whole story. So for example, you ever see like a Christmas card that'll say something like, may all your dreams and wishes come true this Christmas? I mean, isn't that shooting a little high? Um, you know, I mean, I, I just think about like all of my dreams and wishes, you know, and it, but but those are the kind of cards that, that we send out, and those are the kinds of cards we get. And, and I just think that that's putting a lot of weight uh, on this, you know, one month and this season that we're in. Um, that, you know, that you'll get a card like, all is calm and all is bright. And, and I just think, you know, what are you celebrating when Christmas is very calm for you? Because I, I don't know about you, but this season sometimes doesn't feel calm to me. There's, there's a lot going on in it, and I don't think it's just because I'm a pastor, and I don't think it's just because this is a, there's a lot going on in the church. I just think, as a whole, I was talking to a relative of mine recently, and they said they were trying to find a time, like a day to do something, and they said... Every day of the week, every night of the week, for the next two and a half weeks, there was something going on. And I was just like, that's not calm. Like, what, what is wrong with us that we, we can't figure out a way uh, to actually experience what Jesus wants us to experience? And I just think there's, there's something about our culture that fights against everything that Jesus wants us to experience in this Advent season. He wants us to experience hope. He wants us to experience peace, and next week we're going to talk about how he wants us to experience joy, and, and on Christmas Eve we're going to look at how he wants us to experience the love of God in, in ways that, that we never could understand before Jesus came, and, and, and yet we miss it sometimes because there's so much going on. There's so much busyness. There's so much consumerism. There's, there's so many things that fight against what Jesus wants us to encounter in our hearts in this time. And, and I just think, you know, that the first Christmas was, was really not a time of calm either, right? I mean, how is it, you know, all is calm and all is bright? And we do this um, on Christmas Eve. We'll do this. It, it's, it's tradition and um, it's right, but we will close out the service uh, by singing Silent Night and um, and historically, uh, you know, the churches have used candles. Uh, we've used glow sticks for the last several years, and we're going to do that again this year. It's a little bit more fire-friendly, uh, and, and there's less cleanup afterwards. I just, you know, just to be frank, because people don't understand this. When the candle's lit, when you have someone else, they actually take the unlit candle and light it on the lit candle, but that's not how it goes. Just If you're ever wondering, why do we use glow sticks? I'm explaining. Uh, because what happens is, is we take the lit candle and we go to light somebody else's candle and wax just pours everywhere. And, and then nobody thinks about uh, the 50 hours, man hours of, yeah, an iron and a paper bag. If you don't know this, this is also not in my notes, but an iron and a paper bag, it will just take wax right out. Um, so there it is, my Christmas gift to you, how do you get wax out of fabric? Um, so, but anyway, so we'll sing Silent Night with glow sticks, and, and it's beautiful, and it's good, and it's right, and, and we'll talk about Silent Night, all is calm, all is bright. But think about that first Christmas, though. Mary and Joseph can't find a place to stay. She's ready to have a baby any moment, and, and, and they just, they, they can't even find a, a place to lay down and give her rest. Uh, so much about that night was not calm. So much about that night was, was not what we kind of paint the picture to be, and, and yet the Old Testament tells us that one day there would be this peace that would come, and, and this peace 
would come through the Messiah that would be given to people. And, and we see this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them up to Isaiah chapter 9. Um, and, and there is this important passage that is, is so at the heart of, of this season and, and what we believe that Jesus came to do. But Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, and then we're given these four names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. This is the word of the Lord for us today, and we are thankful for it. That the same idea of peace is given to the shepherds in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. This, this same uh, message of peace is promised and, and given to these shepherds. It says this, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth and to those whom God is pleased. Have you ever thought about what that peace means to you personally? Just kind of to step back from this. I mean, God gave Jesus to the whole world. We know that. But have you ever just stopped to think that God gave Jesus to the whole world, but God also sent his son Jesus for you? And what does that mean for you, that, that he loved you? I, I, sometimes we say, well, God loved the whole world. I know that. But, but do you ever just stop and think, God loved me that much? That, that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live here and to ultimately lay down his life on the cross for your sins, not just the sins of the world, but, but for your sins. And we're given these four names by Isaiah, wonderful counselor, that, that Jesus wants to, to give us good counsel. I don't know if you've ever just kind of been like, well, I don't know what to do in this situation. And, and we look for all kinds of counsel and, you know, you can Google it and you can YouTube it and you can do all these things. But, but the wonderful counselor wants to give us his spirit of counsel and lead us and guide us to all things right. Um, and and we're, we're just promised here that, that Jesus wants to be this wonderful counselor, mighty God, that everlasting father and, and this prince of peace. He's the, the prince of peace, the ruler of peace. And, and if you turn on the news, then you just know that our world is lacking in peace. Uh, there, there's a whole lot of uh, peace challenges, and it's not just in wars and conflicts around the world, but, but it's also just in, in strife that we see um, everywhere, just in local news. And it, it doesn't take very much uh, to watch the news, get on social media for a little bit, and you'll just see there's a lack of peace in our culture. There's a lack of peace in our world. Uh, and yet we're promised that the Prince of Peace has come in Jesus. And, and if you're like me, you're just thinking, well, the Prince of Peace has some work to do. There's, a, there's, some, there's some work to do when I, when I look around our world and I, I see uh, what's happening. But uh, Romans chapter 3 says it this way. In Romans uh, 3, 10 through 12, we're told this, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. And then verse 17 goes on and says this, they don't know where to find peace. It's just that the problem in our world is we're just, we're just looking in all the wrong places. It's, it's so much like hope. We're looking in all the wrong places for peace, and then when we don't find it, we're discouraged, and we're angry, and it causes more strife, and it causes more conflict, uh, and, and we, just, we, we don't know where to find it. The world doesn't know where to find it, and, and we have to understand 
what peace is. And to understand what Jesus came to do as the Prince of Peace, we've got to unpack what is the biblical understanding of peace, not what is our cultural understanding of peace. Um, and peace isn't a trouble-free life. I mean, that's what we want, right? That's, that's, what I, that's what I'd like, right? Trouble-free, happy, no problems. That, that's what we want from, from peace, but the biblical promise of peace is not that. And so in your notes, you can write this down if you're a note-taker. If you're not a note-taker, today is a great day to become a note-taker. Um, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of Christ. It is not the absence of conflict, it's the presence of Christ. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so Jesus, our Lord and Savior, told us up front, there's going to be trials there is going to be all kinds of difficulty. He says there's, there's going to be sorrows and there's going to be trials. It's just because we live in a fallen world, you are going to face those things. But then he says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. And, and I want to give you this peace. So our, our culture, our, our world, when we think of peace, we think of peace as the absence of violence. That's what most of us would say. Peace is kind of the absence of violence, and uh, there's no war, right? If there's no war, there's absence of violence, then there's peace. Even if there's anxiety and tension, the, the world would say there's peace. As long as there's not a war going on and there's not violence going on, even if there's anxiety and tension happening, there's peace is what our world and our culture would say. But, but when God speaks of peace, he, he's not talking about it in the same lens that the world talks about it. When God talks about peace, the, the biblical understanding of peace, even as we've seen in that video at the beginning of this, is this idea of more than just the absence of fighting. It's more than just, hey, there's no war happening, there's no violence, but there's still all this tension and anxiety that, that the, the biblical understanding of peace is, is a positive understanding of, of peace. It is it's, it's this idea of wholeness. It, it comes from this word shalom, and it's, it's this idea of, of, of completeness or wholeness or harmony. And, and this Hebrew understanding of peace is so much bigger than just the absence of conflict. It's so much bigger than just the, the, the absence of strife and difficulty that, that there is this idea that it is, it is a positive it's a positive thing in our life. It's this completeness, this wholeness in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the, the challenges and the strifes of this world that we can have this wholeness, this completeness. And, and Scripture promises us this in Jesus. Um, in, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds good. Don't worry about anything. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, not your peace, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace, or, or shalom, this, this Old Testament word for it, is, is, affects every part of you. It affects every part of you. It affects your relationships. It's more than just a peace with yourself and within yourself. It's peace that permeates you and then moves outward from you into those that you are in relationship with. And we all need this biblical understanding of peace. 
And, and as we talk about peace in Advent, and as we talk about how Jesus came to bring us peace, we've got to just understand what exactly this biblical understanding of peace is. And it's, it's not something we can create. It's not something that we can conjure up. It, it has to be a gift because it's not our peace, it's God's peace that's given to us. It's, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, and, and all of the fruit of the Spirit are, are things that we can't make happen. They have to be given to us through a relationship with God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are things that we receive, not something that we make happen in ourselves. Isaiah 48, 22 says it this way, but there is no peace for the wicked says the Lord. The reason that there is no peace for the wicked is to have true peace. You have to have a relationship with God. And it's through that relationship that you receive this gift of peace in your life. And so Jesus came to, to inaugurate this new reign in our lives. And, and in that new reign, when we receive him as Lord, we begin to receive this peace that permeates us and brings wholeness and completeness to us in our lives in ways that we have never been able to experience before that. And, and Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, shalom. The, the peace of God is this divine attribute that we're, we're given. It's what we were created for. And yet in the brokenness of our world, we don't have it. And the only way we can get it back is through this relationship with Jesus. So uh, part of the problem is, is our, our world compartmentalizes so many things. And, um, and I don't know if you've ever just thought about how maybe you compartmentalize your life in some ways. But our, our culture, our world, we, just, we have all of these different compartments for all of these different parts of our life. And so we have we have rules and we have expectations and we have compartments for home. We have rules and we have expectations and we have compartments for work or for school. We have rules and expectations and compartments for church and and then for, you know, our 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 home life and in the neighborhood and then when we're out and about and there's there's all of these different things and we we somehow separate our our private life from our public life oftentimes. We, we uh, have one set for our spiritual life and then we have our, our secular life and, and this, our, our culture just kind of like compartmentalizes everything but we weren't intended, we weren't created to be compartmentalized like that. We, we were intended to be whole people, complete one person wherever we are. And, and whenever you start to compartmentalize your life, whenever you start to say, well, this is who I am with this group, and this is who I am with this group, and this is who I am in this setting, and this is who I am in this setting, we, we begin to just experience all of the fragmentation that God says, I don't want this in your life. I don't want this. This isn't what you were created for. You were created to be one whole, complete human being, one person wherever you are. And, and until we can begin to allow God to change our hearts and allow us to do that, we're always going to have this lack of peace because wherever there is fragmentation, there's a lack of peace. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 just helps us understand how God created us. We're hardwired to be whole, to be complete, and to experience this peace. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians says, but the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so the, the fruit of the Spirit only comes through a relationship with Jesus. But here's what I know uh, about fruit. First of all, the only way you can bear fruit is if you stay connected to the vine. Jesus was clear about this. So the only way that we can bear fruit in our lives is if we're connected to the vine. And, and, and you know, you ought to periodically just stop and say, how well am I doing at staying connected to the vine? How well are you doing at staying connected to Jesus? Not just in, in service time, but really throughout the day, throughout the week. How are you intentionally staying connected uh, to the vine? Uh, but fruit is, is kind of two things. Um, and so... Any of you who are gardeners, you'll get this. Uh, fruit is both a gift. You can't make fruit come out of the ground, all right? <clears throat> you, can, you can do a lot of work, 
you can, you can prepare the soil, you can uh, do all kinds of things, you can fertilize, you can water, you can do some things, but you cannot make fruit come up. Some of you are like, I know, I keep trying. Uh, and it's just not happening, right? I, I'm trying to do this garden thing. I'm trying to you know, make green stuff happen, and it just keeps dying, right? Um, you can't make it happen. It's something about, it, it is a gift. You can plant it, you can water it, you can fertilize it, but we don't even understand how this little seed that we put in the ground just turns into you know, some kind of fruit and some, something edible. Like That is a gift from the Lord. The same way with spiritual fruit. You can't, you can't manufacture spiritual fruit. But there are some things that you can do to cultivate the soil of your life to help spiritual fruit be born uh, more. You know, so if you plant things in the ground and you never water it and you never fertilize it and you, know, you drive your car over that area of the ground on a regular basis, there's a good likelihood there's no fruit going to come up, right? Um, in the same way, there are things that you can do to cultivate the soil of your life to, to help this fruit be borne out. And, and so it's ultimately through staying connected to the vine, and it's ultimately through receiving this gift uh, of the Lord. But there's also some, some things in Scripture that are clear that we can do to cultivate the soil of our lives so that we can bear fruit more readily, and, and the Holy Spirit can give us these gifts uh, in, in ways that, that are in a greater abundance uh, than if we don't cultivate the soil in, in our life. And so I just want to give us some four practical things that you can do to kind of cultivate the soil of your life and stay connected to the vine in some greater ways so that you can bear more peace uh, in, in this season of Advent and, and beyond. Um, and, and if you're just like in perfect peace, you can just tune out right here. You know, you're like, no, I don't need any of that. I am good. I am good. I, practical? No, I, I don't need that at all. I've, I've got all the peace I could ever want. But my hunch is, is there's something not nagging in all of us, even those of us who are Christ followers, who are saying, yeah, there's, there's these times where I don't feel that peace, and how, how can I have what Jesus offered when, when I don't always experience it? Certainly, even in this season. And so, number one, that the first thing um, is, is just that we need to experience peace, is we need to have peace with God. We need to have peace with God. And that only happens, and, and, and many of you here might have done this, and if you haven't done this, this is really the first step, this idea of stepping into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just being religious. It's not just attending church services. It's not just kind of doing religious type things or becoming a better person or being more moral. It's not any of those things. All of those things uh, are religion, but really what, what the gospel says is there's something about saying, I'm a mess. I don't have it together. I, I can't fix myself. And when we come to that realization and we say, Jesus, I believe you can do something in me that I have been incapable of doing for a long, long time. And we say, Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in you. Will you come in, be Lord of my life? Will you forgive me of my sins? There's something about stepping over that line and allowing Jesus to become Lord of your life that Scripture says brings peace with God. That there was, between you and God, there's not peace right now, but there's something about allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life, to forgive you of your sins, that you then begin to experience peace with God. And I know just uh, last week we had many people raise their hands and say, hey, I need, I need to receive Jesus as Lord. And if you're here and you made that decision, we would love it if you would fill out one of the cards even this week and, and let us know, hey, I made that decision so that we can pray for you, we can help you take next steps. Uh, and and the, the first decision that you make, it's really between you and Jesus. You can pray that prayer anywhere. You don't need to talk to anybody. You could you can do that at any moment. You can say that prayer out loud. You can say it quietly in your own heart. That first decision to make Jesus Lord of your life is, is, is a very personal, private decision. But according to Scripture, the very next step is a very public decision. That very next step is baptism. It's, it's saying, hey, I've asked Jesus to be Lord of my life, and then publicly declaring that and being baptized. And so I, I just remind us that uh, we normally do baptisms on the fourth Sunday every month. 
uh, but this month, because the fourth Sunday is Christmas Eve, and that might have been interesting. I mean, maybe people want to be baptized on Christmas Eve. I don't know, but we're going to do it on the 17th. Uh, so we're having baptisms next week, um, and if you've never publicly declared, or if you even just last week made a decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, or today you make that decision, the very next step is public, and it's saying, I've declared Jesus as Lord of my life, and to publicly declare that I'm dying to my sins, and I'm coming alive in Christ, and there's something powerful about doing that. It's something powerful about being obedient in what Scripture tells us to do, and so I, I just want to encourage you, if you made that decision recently, if you make that decision today, to let us know, to, to fill out that communication card that's in the seat backs in front of you, and and, and we would love to celebrate what God is doing in your life and help you take those next steps. And so, But that's the first step is peace with God. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And so because of what he did on the cross... Because he paid for our sins, he paid for your sins, he paid for the sins of the whole world, we can have this peace with God when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life. But the second thing is this, and so if you said, well, okay, I, I've done that, and I still, still don't always have all the peace that I want. Uh, the, the second thing is this idea of peace of God. And, and so the first one is this vertical. You, you've got to get your vertical peace right before you can get your internal peace right. You're never going to have internal peace until you get that vertical peace right between you and God. But once you get vertical peace between you and God right, then you can begin to experience the peace of God, which is internal. It's this internal peace that you have. And, and um, the, the first thing is this vertical and, and then the second thing is this uh, peace of God, which is inner peace. And Philippians chapter 4, which we already read, gives us some clues. I was uh, going over this uh, with a few of our, our people today. They said, um, th this, what you're, I'm about to give you feels like a math equation. Um, and, and then a little bit later, we're going to talk about some, feels like some computer stuff. Um, and uh, so they were like, this is like a STEM sermon. I, you know, I, I don't know, uh, but uh, not really. Uh, but here it is. Here's, here's the math equation from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Let me read the passage again. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let me read this to you in the message paraphrase. In the message paraphrase, I like, I like the language of these two verses in the message paraphrase. It says, don't fret or worry Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Um, so this idea, and, and you can write this down in your notes, it's, it's don't worry, instead pray, and then the, the idea of that prayer, there's two parts of that prayer, it's asking and thanking, it's very clear, so don't worry, instead pray, asking and thanking equals God's peace. I mean, there it is, there's your equation uh, for the day. So um, if, if we do these things... If we, um, instead of worrying about all these things, um, which, which we do, and there's no benefit in it, there's no good in it, and we know that, and yet we still do it. Uh, and, and I love, you know, the, the whole idea of just don't worry. Um, we're, we're told not to be anxious, not to worry. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever just had anybody tell you, hey, quit worrying. How's that work for you? How's that work for you, right? Uh, it doesn't work, right? You can't just say, well, I'm not going to worry anymore. I, I am now done worrying. Check. Like, 
when, and the more you try to not worry, the more it's like there, he's like, okay, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to, and what are you doing? You're worrying. You're worrying about worrying now. Um, um, so you can't willfully just stop worrying. You can't willpower up lack of worrying. And so if you're struggling with worrying, if you're wrestling with worrying, um, then, then this idea of, of how to do this is, is, hey, it's not just don't worry. It's don't worry, instead pray. And then Paul even gives us how to pray. It's, it's, it's asking for the things you need. And, and it's, it's thanking God for the things that he's done. And, and so maybe you could say it this way, the path to peace is really through prayer. The, the path to, to peace of God internally is really through prayer. And, and, and in prayer, it's almost as if you just picture yourself coming with an armful of things that you have and all of the worries and all of the, the anxiety and all the things that are just keeping you up. And, and in prayer, you're bringing it to God and, and you're just saying, God, I got all these things. And, and you're talking to him about all those things and you're, you're just offloading all those things to him and and then you're spending some time thanking him for how faithful he's been in the past and you're spending some time thanking him for how good he's been in the past and the things that he's solved in the past and and all the things that he's done in your life and somehow as you bring those things to God and as you spend time giving them to him and spend time thanking him for what he's done and his faithfulness and his goodness in the past in your life in people you know's life in scripture uh, throughout time as you do that somehow God takes those things and in exchange he hands you peace and, and it's, it really is a, a, a very, you know, it's, it's a simple, it's, it's kind of like um, people, you know, losing weight's simple, right? It, it's simple, simple. Eat less, work out more. You know that, right? Eat less, work out more. I have not mastered this. Um, uh, many of us have not mastered this. We know it in our heads but it's doing it that is the challenge, right? But so here it is. This is now you know the, the next part is actually doing it. Instead of worrying, bring it to the Lord in prayer and ask Him for the things you need and give thanks for the things that He's done. And in the midst of doing that on a regular basis, Scripture says that He will give you peace. And it's, it's God's peace that exceeds everything anything that we could understand it's it's that powerful uh, of a piece and so um don't be anxious but if you are present your requests to god and give thanks for all he's done and the number three write this down D, you need to you need to defrag your life um so now I don't, I don't know if, if you're a Mac user, you're like, I don't, this is why you should be a Mac user. You don't have to defrag your computer, right? So uh, if, if you don't know this, um, if you've never defragged your computer, um, and if you're like, what are you talking about? So um, on kind of the computers that have the hard drive with the spinning disk, the, as you save things and that disk is spinning, it, it saves it in different spots all over the disk. And, and after a while, whenever you're looking for something on your computer, it's trying to find stuff that is all over in different places. And, and over time, it slows your computer down. Over time, it bogs your computer down. And, and, and so uh, the idea of defragging a computer is, is that you kind of just bring all the data into a, a coherent wholeness together instead of being all fragmented in different places. And it helps your computer run better, helps it be smoother, helps it be faster. And, and, and the idea of defragging our life is we, we've got to get away from this. I've got my public life and I've got my private life. I, I've got my work self and I've got my church self and I've got my school self and I've got this set of friends this is who I am with that set of friends and this is who I am with that set of friends and this is who I am in that environment and this is who I am that as long as we have all of that we're never going to experience peace there, there's got to be one whole this is who I am this is who I am in Christ that because of what Christ has done in me right because it starts with that first decision to make peace with God and asking Jesus to be Lord of our life and and then it moves into this regularly going to him in prayer and bringing to him our request and letting him give us this peace in our life and and as we do these things and as we say I'm gonna be one whole person I'm gonna be one complete person I'm 
I'm not going to have these different parts of my life and these different segments of my life. I'm, I'm going to be authentic and whole and complete. I'm, I'm going to have shalom in my life that, that will begin to have peace in ways that we couldn't understand otherwise. And so this, this week, I would just challenge you to just take some inventory. Are you being the same person everywhere you are? Are you, are you being one whole complete person or are there places and people and settings and situations that, that you've got a different version of yourself? And Jesus would say you'll never have peace until you begin to have one self in all environments and, and be authentic and whole and complete. And so the last one is just this, peace with others. So uh, it really starts with uh, this idea of peace with God and then it moves into internal peace, the peace of God in our life that happens through prayer. And then as we begin to have those things, we begin to be just one version of ourselves in every setting and in every situation. Um, but then it's not all about just us having peace. Uh, according to Scripture, we are called to be uh, peacemakers. <coughs> That didn't work out. I was supposed to turn the mic off for the cough, and then, yeah, that didn't help. We're to be peacemakers, peace workers, if you will. Um, Matthew 5, 9 says it this way. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Those who work for peace. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Peace work is hard work. Peace work is hard work. Um, it, it's interesting that we're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peace workers. Uh, we're, we're to be makers of peace wherever we go. Um, and, and it takes effort to be a peace worker. It, it doesn't just come naturally. Uh, it takes intentionality. Um, and when we work at uh, preventing contention and when we work at preventing strife, when we work at bringing peace um, and being the kind of peacemakers that God calls us to be, uh, whenever there's conflict around us, we're not just to ignore it, but we're to intentionally work towards peace, that, that we are actually to counter uh, the, the conflicts that we see and, and be peacemakers and peace workers. And so Romans 14, 19 uh, says, uh, kind of uh, lays out our responsibility. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So uh, practically, um, how, how does that look? What does that look like? Um, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it tells us don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I, we could talk about a hundred things that we could do to be peace workers, but just one of those is just be careful with your tongue. Be careful with your social media typing. Be, be someone who is using your words to build people up and not tear them down. Be someone who uses your words to encourage and, and, and to use your words to bring peace. So um, if, if you are in a setting and you hear someone speaking ill about someone else, be someone who is a peace worker and a grace giver and be the first one to then speak up and, and say something positive about that person. And, and, and to just be someone that adds the gift of grace and, if, and just kind of put yourself in the shoes. If somebody were speaking bad about you, wouldn't it be great if somebody else immediately said, hey, listen, you know, what I love about that person is this, and then they just said something really great about you? Wouldn't you want that for yourself? So give someone else. That, that gift of grace uh, with the way you uh, use your language. I'll, uh, I'll share this with you. Uh, actually, this morning, I wasn't going to share this, but I grabbed this. Uh, Melanie's watching online because Meredith is sick right now. And so uh, I grabbed this uh, off the wall before I left the house this morning. So this, 
uh, is hanging. Uh, this was actually hanging right next to our dining room table uh, for years, and now it's hanging in the laundry room uh, by the exit door. Before you speak, think. Uh, T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? And I'm just telling you, if all of us, you know, this is really good for kids, and it's really good for adults. Um, if all of us would just think before we spoke that we would be greater peace workers, right? If all of us would just say, is that true? Maybe it's true, but it's not helpful to say at that moment. Maybe it's true and helpful, but it's not inspiring. Maybe it's true and helpful, inspiring, but it's not kind or it's not necessary. And, and, and I would just say, very simply, one of the ways that we could go about bringing peace to others is through our words, through the, through the words that we use and the language that we use. And, and being a people, being a church that would just be characterized by positivity in our language and, and just refusing to tear people down but always be building people up. And, and I don't have that perfected and you don't have that perfected, but by God's grace, we need to work on this. We need to say, Lord, would you help us bear this in our life? Would you help us be peace workers uh, through our tongues and how we speak? And so here again, four things of how we can just cultivate peace. Peace is something, you can't manufacture it, okay? Let me just say that again. You cannot manufacture this. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift of God. But there are things you can do to cultivate the soil of your life to be prepared to receive this gift. You, you, need, to, you need to make peace with God. It, it begins with a relationship with Jesus. If you haven't done that, you're never going to find internal peace. You're going to keep looking in all the wrong places. Jesus is the only one who can give it to you. And then it really comes through the path of prayer. This internal peace that we all want is actually doing the thing. And, and again, we know this in our head. It's like, hey, exercise more and eat less. We, we know that, but we don't do it. The path to peace is through prayer. And, and if you're worrying and you're anxious and you're full of all these things, Scripture says, listen, this is how you do this. Instead of worrying about it, bring it to the Lord in prayer and ask for the things you need and give thanks for the things that he's done and then you will receive peace. It is, it's, it's not complex and yet we don't do it. And so it's beginning this relationship with Jesus. It's bringing things to him in prayer and finding internal peace as we give thanks and ask for these requests. And, and it's then asking God to help you move away from this fragmented life, this, this life of compartments into a life of wholeness and completeness where you're one person wherever you are. And then to be a peacemaker, to, to be someone who gives the gift of positive language instead of, the, instead of what the world gives and tearing people out. There, there's so many things we can say, but we don't have to. We don't have to. We, we can be people that choose to build up with our language. We can be people that choose to be peace workers with how we live and what we say. And so uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond uh, in worship together, but would you bow your heads with me and, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we just recognize as we look around the world, we recognize as we look at all the things in our society and, and on our culture and and if we're honest, as we look in the mirror, and as we look in our own families, and as we just look at life, that, that we don't all have this fullness of peace that we want, and, and yet we are reminded today that it is promised to us through Jesus. As we celebrate Advent, and as we celebrate how Jesus came to give us this gift of peace, this gift of wholeness, this gift of completeness, we long for that. We long for that, and, and we know that there are so many things that fight against that, but, but we just pray that you would help us this week 
to receive this gift of peace. Lord, help us to cultivate the soil of our lives so that you can give us this gift. I I pray that if there are those who are here this morning and they've never asked you to be Lord of their life, they've never stepped across that line of faith and said, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be Lord? That even now in these moments they would do that. Even now in these moments they would ask you to reign in their lives so that they can receive this gift of peace. And Lord, for those who are here that are just caught up in worry and anxiety and just, they just can't turn it off. They can't will it away. God, I pray that you would help them begin to bring their petitions to you and spend more time with you in prayer and in in connecting with you in relationship and and giving you these things that they're worried and anxious about and and spending time giving thanks for all the things that you've done in the past and and reflecting on your faithfulness and your goodness and who you are. And, And Lord, somehow in the midst of that, as they do what you instruct them to do in Scripture, that you would begin to give them the peace that they long for internally. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to be whole and complete people. Lord, some teenagers that are here and some adults that are here and some young adults and some old adults, Lord, wherever we're at in that spectrum, we, we are just compartmentalized. And we need your help to tear down those barriers and those walls that we can be just one person wherever we are that we would be whole and we would be complete and we would experience shalom and peace. And Father, I pray that you would help us be peace workers. Help us this week to look for opportunities to, to build people up with our tongues instead of tearing them down. Lord, open our eyes to the many times that, that we are using our language to be hurtful instead of helpful. We repent of the times that we have done this in the past and we ask that you would help us to be the kinds of peace workers that you call us to be. We love you, Lord. We're grateful for the gift of peace that you extend to us this morning. We receive it. We confess to you that outside of your work in us, we're incapable of any of these things. And we're so thankful for what you've done and what you're doing to give us these gifts. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.